Chapter twenty two of Five Little Peppers Abroad. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda McDaniel. Five Little Peppers Abroad by Margaret Sidney. Chapter twenty two. Polly tries to help. Mamsie, what shall we do? Polly clasped her hands in despair and looked down on Phronsie, sleeping away as if she meant to take her own time to wake up, regardless of sunrise on the ridgy. Oh, dear me, and she went to bed so early last night on purpose. You go right along, Polly, said Mother Fisher. Put on your golf cape over your jacket, child. It's dreadfully cold out there. I shall stay with Phronsie, for of course we wouldn't leave her alone with Matilda, and all go off for a nice time. No, of course not, cried Polly, in horror at the mere thought. And she's in such a nice sleep, and so warm, that it's a pity to wake her up, finished Mrs. Fisher. Oh, dear me, cried Polly, in distress. I'd rather stay, Mamsie, and have you go. No, said Mrs. Fisher firmly, I shall stay, so that is all there is about it, Polly. Now run along, child, and tell Matilda to hurry out too, for she wants to see the sunrise. Polly still lingered until her mother looked up in surprise. Why, Polly, she said reprovingly. Oh, dear me, exclaimed Polly, I didn't mean to disobey, Mamsie, I really didn't. I'll go and setting a kiss on Mother Fisher's black hair, she ran out on unsteady feet and with all her comfort gone. When she joined her group, it would have been rather hard to distinguish any of them, as everyone was wrapped up in shawls and rugs, if Jasper hadn't been a sort of scout-in-waiting for her, and Mrs. Fisher and Phronsie. And Tom could easily be pecked out, for he hung around in Jasper's wake, and besides, he was so very big. "'Where are they?' asked Jasper, looking down the corridor back of her. "'Oh, Mamsie isn't coming, nor Phronsie either, for she's asleep, and Mamsie made me come,' finished Polly dismally. "'Oh, dear me,' said Jasper, quite gone in sympathy. Tom Selwyn poked his head forward to hear, but, as it was something quite beyond his powers to help, he thrust his hands into his pockets and kicked aimlessly on the floor." "'Well, come on, Polly,' said Jasper, wishing he could lift the gloom from Polly's face, and feeling quite dismal himself. Little Dr. Fisher, muffled up in a big plaid shawl, so that only his spectacles gleamed in between the folds and his cap, suddenly edged up back of Polly, and dropped the folds away from his ears, so that he could hear what was going on and when the group hurried out of the door, into the cold gray dawn, he was skipping down to his wife's room in the liveliest way imaginable. Old Mr. King had gone on ahead with the parson, as he couldn't scramble so fast, and now he met them with, "'Well, are you all here? Where's Phronsie?' "'Oh, Jasper, I can't tell him,' gasped Holly, up on the tip-top bunch of rocks, and trying to be glad of the promise of the beautiful sunrise to come, for everybody agreed that it was apparently to be the best one that had gladdened the hearts of travellers for years. Then she whirled around and stared with all her might. If there isn't Mamsie coming! As true as you live, it is! cried Jasper with a good look, and springing down the rocks to help her up. Tom Selwyn plunged after him, getting there first. So in the bustle nobody answered Mr. King, 
and he, supposing from the merry chatter that Phronsie was in the midst of it, concluded it best not to interrupt their fun, even if he could make them hear. "'Your father made me come, Polly,' said Mrs. Fisher, coming up between the two boys, "'but I'd so much rather that he saw it.' and her downcast face looked so very much like Polly that Jasper thought matters hadn't bettered themselves any. "'But, Mamsie,' said Polly, creeping up with her with all the comfort she could, "'it makes him happy, just as it made you happy to have me go.' "'I know it,' said Mother Fisher with a sigh, "'but he has so few pleasures, Polly, and he works so hard.' And her gaze wandered off to the distant clouds, slowly beginning to break away." Polly held her breath as they waited and looked, although her heart was sad when the wee little streak of light began to come over in the east. "'Isn't that just beautiful?' exclaimed Jasper, trying to enjoy it as much as he had expected. "'See, Polly, the stars seem going out. Daylight's coming.' "'I know,' said Polly. "'So it is.' Sure enough, a little strip of gold touched up the leaden sky and spread slowly. "'See, it's turning pink.' Mrs. Selwyn's plain, quiet face glowed. See, Polly, look at that peak, bathed in color. Just then a little voice said, Oh, isn't that beautiful? And whirling around on her rock, Polly saw little Dr. Fisher staggering along with a big bundle in his arms, out of which was peering Phronsie's face. Mother Fisher had turned to, Oh, Adoniram, was all she said as Polly sprang off to meet them. "'Give her to me,' cried Tom Selwyn, of course reaching there first, before either Polly or Jasper, and before Dr. Fisher quite knew how, Phronsie was perched on the broad shoulder, and Tom was prancing up the rocky path as easily as if a bird had lighted on his arm. "'She woke up, luckily,' said little Dr. Fisher, "'and she's bundled up, so there isn't a chance of her taking cold. "'Wife, this is grand!' He gained her side and drew her hand under the big shawl. "'You've come just in time,' cried Polly, skipping around on her rock to the imminent danger of falling on her nose, and varying the exercises by cuddling Phronsie's toes, done up in a big bundle. "'I declare, if Papa Fisher hasn't tied them up in one of his blankets,' she announced merrily. "'A blanket is just as good as anything when the sunrise is waiting for you,' said the little doctor coolly. "'Isn't it?' cried Polly, back at him happily. "'Oh, oh!' Everybody echoed, "'Oh, oh!' Then stood hushed to silence. A rosy blush spread from peak to peak, and all the shadows fell away. Everything below, towns, villages, lakes, and forests, stood out in the clear, cold dawn, and at last the sun burst forth in all his glory. "'I'm so glad that people don't chatter,' said Polly, when at last they turned away, for the swift clouds had shut it all out. "'Did you see Phronsie's face, Jasper, when that light burst out?' "'Yes, and father's,' answered Jasper. "'I expect he'd been looking for her. Everybody is so bundled up you can hardly find your best friend.' And then he saw her. "'Yes, and she saw him and called him,' said Polly. "'Didn't you hear her?' "'Didn't I, though?' said Jasper. Who could help it? Wasn't father pleased when he got up to us, Tom, to think you had Phronsie in such good shape? Phronsie, you're in luck, pinching as much of her toes as the bundle of blanket would allow. You've got the best place of any of us up on that perch. I like it, said Phronsie in grave delight, very much indeed. 
surveying them out of the depths of the shawl, and I wish it needn't stop. Well, it must, said Polly with a sigh. Dear me, see those people run. Well, it's cold, said Jasper. Let's you and I race to the hotel, Polly. And the show is over, said Tom. Why shouldn't they run? As Jasper and Polly set off, and he strode after, getting there nearly as soon. An hour later, Polly, who couldn't get to sleep again, for a nap before breakfast, went out to the little balcony window just outside her door, where she might sit and write in her journal, and meantime catch any chance view that the grey scudding clouds might afford. In this way she strove to work off the impatience possessing her for the beautiful hour to come after breakfast. I can hardly believe it now, she thought, and she gave herself a little pinch to see if she were really awake. It seems too good to be true to think that the great Professor Barrick is actually going to tell me how to learn to play well. Say, a voice struck upon her ear, oh, I'm in the most awful distress. Polly clapped her book to and looked up. Oh, dear, dear. It was a tall, spare woman, with a face that had something about it like Grandma Bascom's. It must have been the cap frills flapping around her cheeks. "'What can I do for you?' asked Polly, springing up. "'Oh, do take my chair and sit down and tell me about it.' "'Oh, will you help me? The land! I couldn't set when I'm in such trouble,' declared the old woman. "'My senses, I should fly off the handle.' Polly, feeling that she was in the presence of some dreadful calamity, stood quite still. "'You see, me and my sister, she's in high strikes now in there,' the old woman tossed her head to indicate a room further down the hall, whereat the cap frills flapped wilder than ever. "'Bein' as it belonged to both of us, she feels as bad as I do, but as I was the one that lost it, why, it stands to reason I've got to shake around and get it again.' "'Say, will you help me? "'You've got a pair of bright eyes as ever I see in a head, "'and what's the good of em if you can't help in trouble like this?' "'Polly, feeling that her eyes would never forgive her "'if she didn't let them help on such an occasion, promised. "'What is it you have lost?' she asked. "'Don't you know?' cried the old woman impatiently. "'Mercy me! How many times shall I tell you? "'My bosom pin!' It was took of Pa when he was a young man and awful handsome, and I didn't want to leave it in the room when we went out, cause somebody might get in, and they'd be sure to want it, so I pinned it on my nightcap strings, and it's gone, and I a gallivantin' around on them rocks, a-lookin' at the sunrise, and I can see that to home all I want to. I must have been crazy. Oh, I see, and you want me to go out and help you look for it? said Polly, her brow clearing. "'Of course,' assented the old woman impatiently. "'Lan, your intellects ain't as bright as your eyes. "'My sakes, how many times do you expect me to tell you? "'I've been a-lookin' and a-peekin' everywhere, "'but my eyes are old, and I don't dare to tell anyone to help me, "'for like enough they'd pick it up when I weren't seein' "'and slip Pa in their pocket, and I'd never see him again.' "'Polly,' feeling if Pa was slipped in a pocket and carried off, it would be a calamity indeed, said heartily, I'll get my jacket and cap and come right out. She looks honest. I guess I hain't done no harm to tell her about our bosom pin, said the old woman to herself as Polly disappeared. 
Mamsie being asleep, Polly could say nothing to her, but feeling that she would allow it if she knew, she threw on her things and ran out to meet the old woman with a shawl tied over her nightcap and a big long cape on. "'I tell you, she's in high strikes,' said the old woman going down the hall. "'That's our room, thirty-seven, and I've seen you and your folks going by, so I feel in some ways acquainted, and if I don't find Pa, I'll be flabbergasted myself.' do let us hurry said polly her mind now only on pa so they went down the stairs and out by the door and up the rocky path just where the old woman said she and sister carline took when they went out to see the sunrise and i wish we'd kept in bed ejaculated polly's companion i most lost my teeth out they chattered so and so did carline hers and that wouldn't have been nothin to losin pa cause we could a got more teeth but how could we a got him took when he was nineteen and so handsome there here we stop just at this identical spot well i think we shall find it said polly consolingly how did the pen look she asked for the first time remembering to ask and beginning to poke around in the crevices my land sakes i never see such a girl for wantin to be told over and over exclaimed the old woman irritably picking up first one ample gaiter and then another to warm her cold toes in her hands haven't i told you he was awful handsome well he had on his blue coat and big brass buttons for one thing and his shirt front was ruffled and was it gold around it asked polly poking away busily gold i guess it was and there was dents in it where carline and i bit into it when we were babies cause mother give it to us when our teeth was comin twas better'n a chicken bone she said oh said polly well now you know said carline's sister and don't for mercy's sake ask any more useless questions i'm most sorry i brung you i might go down and get the boys jasper and tom they'd love to help said polly feeling that she was very much out of place and there was no hope of finding pa under the circumstances the old woman clutched her arm and held her fast don't you say a single word about any boys she commanded i hate boys she exploded they're the worry of our lives carline and me they get into our garden and steal all our fruit and they hang on behind our chaise when we ride out and keep me a-lookin round and slashin the whip at em the whole live-long time oh my boys what in the world is polly pepper doin up on those rocks cried jasper just spying her come on tom and let's see and they seized their caps and buttoned their jackets against the wind which had just sprung up and dashed off to see for themselves ugh you go right away screamed carline's sister as their heads appeared over the point of rocks and shaking both hands fiercely at them phew whispered jasper with his eyes in surprise on polly and what old party are you demanded tom finding it easy to talk to her as she was by no means a girl and do you own this mountain anyway oh don't begged polly and jasper if you would go away please and not ask any questions all right cried jasper swallowing his disappointment not to know come on tom polly doesn't want us here and i won't have you here screamed the old woman harder than ever so get away as soon as you can why you are boys i know it tom bobbed his head at her we've always been ma'am 
and boys are good for nothing and lazy and thieves yes i wouldn't trust em so she kept on as they hurried back over the rocky path that's a tiger for you ejaculated tom then he stopped and looked back a little anxiously aren't you afraid to leave polly with her no said jasper it would trouble polly to have us stay yet he stopped and looked anxious too we will wait here and after a while down came the two searchers the old woman quite beside herself now and scolding every bit of the way that she didn't see what bright eyes were for when they couldn't find anything and now that pod gone sliding down that mountain they might as well give up she and carline when a sudden turn in the path brought the boys into view waiting behind the rocks then all her fury burst upon them see here now cried tom suddenly squaring up to her and looking at the face between the nodding cap frills we are ready to take a certain amount of abuse my friend and i but we won't stand more i can tell you oh don't began polly clasping her hands oh tom please keep still she doesn't know what she's saying for she's lost her pen with her father on hey cried jasper say it again polly while tom shouted and roared all through polly's recital was it an old fright with a long nose in a blue coat and ruffles and as big as a turnip he asked between the shouts while polly tried to say yes i guess so and miss carline's sister so far overcame her aversion to boys as to seize him by the arm tom shook her off like a feather see here old party he cried that ancient pen of yours is reposing in the hotel office at this blessed moment jasper and i indicating his friend ran across it on the rocks up there more than an hour ago and oh pa's found exclaimed the old woman in a shrill scream of delight beginning to trot down to the hotel office yes it would have been impossible for pa to have got off this mountain without making a landslide said tom after her end of chapter twenty two recording by linda mcdaniel atlanta georgia february two thousand ten